1: potters i'm your host sky guasco you are listening to the candlestick Kids fantasy football podcast please follow us on instagram at fantasy football underscore tck pod and on twitter at tck underscore pod you can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com we've got a lot to cover so let's get into it what up tck potters happy thanksgiving Today is Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, and I am joined by a very special guest, per usual this week, my man Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. Bobby, how we doing, man? Happy Thanksgiving, brother. Yeah, you too, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your viewers. Ready to talk some football. Yes, sir. So just to make sure that you and I didn't double up, Lucas and I yesterday put out the Thanksgiving Day matchups. So if you're waking up early, turning on the podcast, it's Thanksgiving morning, and you're wondering about today's games – Make sure you tune back to yesterday's episode, actually, when Lucas and I held that down. Bobby and I are going to go through the remaining Sunday morning slate and then the Sunday afternoon slate as well. This is episode 312 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. Y'all know the drill by now. Bobby Lamarco is with us every single week. Bobby, let's get right into this, man. We've got a handful of games to cover. Nobody on a bye this week. A pretty unique situation. We haven't seen that since week three. So let's jump right into it, man. Let's get into the Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, this is a bitter rival game here out of the AFC South. Seven and three up at the top of the division for each of these teams. This game is in Indianapolis. Last game was a doozy. The Colts were able to run all over the Titans. Um, but last week, obviously, Derrick Henry running all over the Ravens in overtime to get that win. And the Colts get a uh, last-second victory as well with a game-winning game winning Field goal by Rodrigo Blankenship. Titans, pretty much business as usual. My my question to you is going to be Corey Davis. Kind of this weekly, like, do you trust it? Numbers are trending up each week, but do you trust him? And A.J. Brown was limited in practice today, but that kind of seems routine with him. I don't expect him to be a concern, but he did only have one catch last time against the Colts. So any concern there? On the other side with the Colts, it all starts with Phillip Rivers. He was obviously noticeably gimpy on the sideline versus the Packers last week. Uh, Are you concerned with him at all? He's kind of been an iron man over his career. Um, I do expect him to play, but will that limit his ability? And then do you trust anybody in this offense, including Jonathan Taylor at this point? And for me, it's going to be JT out of the backfield, finally over 100 yards, still no touchdown, but he gets over 100 yards, 22 carries, love that. And Michael Pittman Jr., Again, emerging is that number one. Is there anybody else on the Colts that I might be missing here? So, again, Henry, uh, Tannehill, I would say, A.J. Brown, and then maybe Jonathan Taylor, Automatics in this one. But uh, anybody else I'm missing?
0: So when you look at the Week 10 matchup between these two teams, it kind of flowed with what the analysis is saying. You know, So this season, the Tennessee Titans, when you evaluate them, they see the fifth most dropbacks per game on defense – while the, t- uh, while the Colts are 21st. And that that's a perfect reflection of what happened in that Week 10 matchup. Phil Rivers dropped back to pass 39 times, 308 yards, versus Tannehill, who only dropped back 27 times for 147 yards. Now, that's kind of seems to be the trend. It looks like when you're looking at the Titans, let's take a look at them first. They're kind of banged up on the offensive line. So they just lost their backup left tackle. He just got hurt, and he's going to be out for this game. So it's kind of getting – starting to get a little concerning that line, especially at the tackle position is starting to be a problem. The only benefit is that DeForest Buckner, the solid, the the stud defensive tackle for the Colts is now out. So that might help slow down that Colts pass rush. But, you know, the Titans offensive passing game has not looked the same. But when I'm looking at who beats the Colts, you know what, listen, Derrick Henry had a solid performance, 19 for 103 the last time these two teams played. I have no qualms about playing Derrick Henry. I think he's a solid start. But like you touched on, the last time these two teams played, it was Corey Davis versus A.J. Brown. Corey Davis had 5 for 67. A.J. Brown only had one catch in that game. But if you watch the game in detail, that Thursday night game, no one did anything. Corey Davis got all his production on the last drive or so, and there was nothing being done. Now, who really does beat the Colts, though, is inside wide receivers. And something that I thought was very interesting when I noticed this was a great example last week, Devontae Adams, uh, when they played the Colts. Adams had five receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. You don't view Adams as necessary a slot receiver, but in, when he kicked inside, he dominated the Colts. So one of the things I was looking at was A.J. Brown's snap percentage in the slot, and last week he ran a season-high 27% of his snaps in the slot. Now, he didn't run any slot snaps the last time these two, these two teams played. Maybe the Titans are starting to realize they need to get him more involved. It could have been a combination of that or Adam Humphreys not being involved, being out of the game as well. So I actually think – I'm actually thinking A.J. Brown's going to bounce back. I like that usage. I love that they're starting to use him as a true uh, Z receiver, getting him into the slot a little bit more. I think that's going to continue. They need to manufacture touches for him and get him in better positions. So I think A.J. Brown bounces back. He has a much better performance than his one for 21. So when I'm looking at the Titans, I'm only fixated on on Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. I'm not really interested because – like I touched on, the Colts' defense is not a pass-funnel defense. They are very good against the pass. So I'm not really too excited to start Corey Davis. Even that five for 67 really didn't get it done for fantasy. And I think A.J. Brown takes the lead in this one. So a guy that we do should touch on is Johnny Smith. Because at the tight end position, he is a touchdown machine. The problem with Johnny, if he doesn't score, he's getting you two receptions for 14 yards. But in the tight end landscape, it's better than nothing. Robert Tonyan had one of his better games last week. for uh, 44 and one against the Indianapolis Colts so I do believe that Johnny Smith is still in play I think you're going to start him obviously because of the tight end landscape but also because it is a winnable matchup against the Colts so I think it's going to be Derrick Henry AJ Brown and Johnny Smith from the Titan side I don't think I'm too excited to start Ryan Tannehill especially with the struggles overall with the pass offense but also with those injuries to the tackle position On the Colts side, it's kind of flipped. I actually do like the passing game a little bit. The volume is there. The Titans see the fifth most dropbacks per game on defense. So when I'm looking at that, we saw the last game. He had 39 attempts. Naheem Hines had a very big game the last time these two teams played. 115 combined yards and two touchdowns. I think he's going to have another hybrid role in this game. I think he's going to be usable. The guy I absolutely love is Michael Pittman. Uh the Titans have not been good. Listen, Dory Jackson's coming back. We've been, t- I've been talking about this for like a month now, but he, he's officially coming back in week 12. Dory Jackson's a pro bowler. I've been telling it, it's gonna happen. Him and Malcolm Butler on the on the outside, but I like Michael Pittman. He's just solidified, he's now running the most routes on the team. He's getting the most uh, targets on the team. And the last time these two teams played, he had seven for one oh one. So I think he's firmly on the flex radar radar with Naheem Hines. Now, I'm not too interested in In the tight end position, it's a three-way timeshare, unless one of these guys gets hurt. Last week, Mo Alleycox, Burton, and Doyle ran between 10 and 15 routes apiece. That's just impossible to figure out who's going to score. You're going to need a touchdown. I couldn't tell you who it's going to be, even though it's a good matchup. Mark Andrews had a very big week last week against the uh, the Titans defense. Jimmy Graham a couple weeks ago had a nice game. Eric Ebron performed pretty well. So the production could be there, but it's a three-way timeshare. It's impossible to figure out. And I think that really leaves Jonathan Taylor. We're starting to see that improvement. Um, Last week, they were playing without one of their key offensive linemen, the Colts. This week, they get him back. I think they're going to start humming a little bit better on the ground game. I think Jonathan Taylor, I love his usage versus um, the other guy, Wilkins, uh, in in the run game. So I think that, to me, is very key to see that he has separated himself. So I think that Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines and Michael Pittman are all on the flex radar this week.
1: That's good news. We are all hoping that Jonathan Taylor uh, is not a one-hit wonder from last week, man. Great usage. Now the Packers are horrendous against the run, we all know that. Uh the Titans are also susceptible to the run, but as you mentioned a few weeks ago, Naheem Hines had that 115 and two touchdowns. Note on that, it was it happened to be Naheem Hines' birthday that day. So Okay, so <laughs> not, a, not you know, if you believe in the birthday bump a little bit, um you know, that could have potentially led to a few more touches for knee lines. Also, it's obvious that the Colts ride the hot hand. He came out, had extra punch that night, and they were able to uh, ride him. So going to be interesting to see what happens, but I am more confident in uh, Jonathan Taylor finally after a couple of building weeks. All right, man, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cleveland Browns 7-3, and second place in the AFC North at this point. Jacksonville, of course, looking at that number one pick probably going to get the number two because the Jets just will not relinquish that number one spot at a winless 0-10, but the Jacksonville Jaguars at 1-9 and nine here for the Browns, um, I mean, you can fire up everybody against Jacksonville, frankly. Uh, my question is going to be, are you confident with Baker and uh, anybody other than Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and uh, Kareem Hunt, um, are you confident in Austin Hooper, maybe, who seems to always start the game hot and then just disappear, which is frustrating. For Jacksonville with DJ Chark uh, beat up and them going to Mike Glennon, is there anybody on the Jacksonville side that you would play other than James Robinson?
0: No, uh, so let's so focus on the Browns first. Listen, this is going to be the Browns are going to want to dominate on the ground and they were going to they're going to want to get out of there with Baker Mayfield throwing 25 times. That's what their game plan is. And they should be able to do that. They're six and a half. Uh, road favorites against the Jags and the Jags by the way are starting Mike Glennon and I honestly Mike Glennon hasn't started a game in like three years and he's been very bad since so since like 2015 he had like that random decent stretch with the Bucks or something but I, I'm not confident that I think the Browns defense can dominate the Jags I think outside of James Robinson I can tell you right now to get into James Robinson that's the only guy you can trust But even in that matchup, it's going to be brutal. The only good news is that they're at home in this game. Um, The other thing is the Browns, we haven't seen them play in good weather in a month. It's really tough to evaluate the true identity of the Browns offense over the last few weeks because they've been playing in Cleveland in like high winds, rain. So hopefully they're going to Jacksonville. It's Apparently it's 50-50 shot for rain, which is just so funny. It's ridiculous. But when I'm looking at it, The Jacksonville Jaguars do allow the seven most dropbacks per game on defense. That should be good news for these guys. Now, when you're looking at the Jags, they are a pass. They do allow a lot of production to out wide wide receivers. We saw it with uh, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Devontae Adams, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Cooks, and Fuller all dominated against this Jaguars secondary Plus, there's a bunch of injuries. DJ Hayden is now back on IR. He's done. He's the primary slot corner. Uh, CJ Henderson, their top rookie cornerback, is also done for this season. This defense is decimated. But the problem is, it's when you're looking at Jarvis Landry, it was, you know, I think the sleeper guy of the Cleveland pass catching course was Shard Higgins. I like Higgins. Him and Baker have a very nice dynamic to each other. Last week, you know, it was Cardell Hodge who actually ended up being the most productive guy on the day with five targets. But I think Rashad Higgins to me is kind of a, D- uh, a sleeper, maybe even a DFS start throw in this game. The only problem I have though, is I don't expect Baker to have to throw much last week. He went 12 for 22 against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. He did not have to throw a lot. So there's not going to be a big piece of the pie, but if I'm going to take a dart throw on any of the pass catchers this week, I think it's going to be Rashad Higgins. I think he finally comes through with a nice performance And then it's really Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think last week Nick Chubb really showed his talent, 20 carries for 114 yards versus Kareem Hunt's 13 for 11. But Hunt got the touchdown. So, And Hunt is still getting a little bit more of the passing work. He only had one target in that game. But I think you could still start Kareem Hunt. His usage is good. He's a flex play. Nick Chubb is the primary star. I am not touching Baker. Even though Jacksonville has has been a little more susceptible to pass volume over the last couple of weeks, I just don't see that Baker's going to to throw enough in this one to make him fantasy viable. And of course, on the other side with Mike Glennon starting, I don't have an interest in starting any of the guys against this Browns defense, even though we truly don't know how good they are. Like I just touched on, they face the Eagles, the Raiders, all in terrible weather. The last guy that had a very productive game was Hunter Renfro who's a primary slot receiver. So it's tough to really say who's going to dominate in this one. So I think I'm avoiding the Jags, focusing on James Robinson and for the Cleveland Browns, it's going to be Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and my DFS, I guess, sleeper maybe if you're really desperate, Rashard Higgins in, that, in season-long fantasy.
1: Love it. Just a note on that Kareem Hunt touchdown, Nick Chubb actually had about a 70-plus yard run. He was tackled inside the five-yard line, came off the field basically to catch his breath, and Kareem Hunt scores right after that. So, frankly, nine times out of ten, that is a Nick Chubb carry. That's a Nick Chubb touchdown and, you know, he still gives you a 100-yard floor, just didn't score. Nick Chubb's absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers and the Minnesota Vikings. Carolina at 4-7. They have not yet had their bye. Nobody is on a bye this week, but the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the last two byes next week in week 13. So Tampa Bay – or excuse me, Carolina still not had a bye. They're 4-7. Minnesota playing well lately, four and six. They got upended by a resurgent uh, Cowboys team um, yeah. last week, but they are they are playing pretty well recently. For the Panthers, look, PJ Walker looked pretty good last week, uh, regardless if it's him or Teddy Bridgewater. I feel okay with these pass catchers much more than I did last week. Again, we're kind of doing this merry-go-round of Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and then Mike Davis. I think this is probably his last hurrah. Uh, So you got to fire up, you know, Mike Davis and I'm comfortable with all three of these wide receivers versus the Vikings. I'll let you expand on that. And then for the Vikings, Dalvin Cook automatic, Kirk Cousins is looking really quality the last couple of weeks. However, Adam Thielen is at least questionable. I heard that he was out right away this week. And Mm -hmm. then I heard that maybe he could test, um, well, let's see, test negative which would be a positive for the Vikings. I want to make sure I say that correctly, but basically he would be back in the lineup. Uh, Justin Jefferson seems like an automatic, no matter what the way he's playing, but I'm interested, Bobby, how you feel if Justin Jefferson is the number one receiver, if Thielen happens to be out, how do you feel about Je- uh, Justin Jefferson versus if he's that number two? So again, how do you feel about the receivers in Carolina based on the quarterback play? And then in, um, Minnesota uh, are you comfortable with Kirk Cousins one way or the other versus this actually pretty quality pass defense for the um, Carolina Panthers or um you know are you concerned about Justin Jefferson if Adam Thielen are be out
0: so when you're looking at the Panthers and Vikings so the good news about Thielen he had a negative test today so he tested positive yesterday he had a negative test today so it sounds like that he could be maybe back on track with another negative test or two to play on Sunday. So let's operate under the assumption that he's going to be back in. But when I'm looking at these two teams, it's a, you know, both of them have losing records. They're not technically, you know, dominating anybody when they're typically getting the teams last week, Carolina dominated the Detroit lions. We got to see a different look with PJ Walker, but Teddy B will be back. Um, even though Christian McCaffrey is playing uh, practicing this week, he's not going to play. I think they're going to hold him out through the bye. You'll see him for the fantasy playoffs and we'll hopefully, as a McCaffrey owner, I can't, I'm 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 barely getting into the playoffs, so hopefully he's in. But when I look at these teams, you can beat them when the the actual game flow is correct and meaning that the game is close, they're both beatable through the air. So typically when you see losing teams, they look better against the pass because they're trailing in games and teams are running more. These teams are actually slightly above average when you see dropbacks per game on defense. So when you're looking at who beats, let's look at Carolina who beats the Vikings. It's, you know, running backs all around Zeke and Tony Pollard had big games last week against them. I do believe that you can definitely roll with Mike Davis in this one, his last Ross drop a tear, pour one out for him. It was a hell of a run. It was great. So I think that you could definitely roll with Mike Davis, but when you're looking at the receiving core, The guys that truly have dominated or played very well against Minnesota are guys who kick inside a little bit more. So CeeDee Lamb had a big game against them. Amari Cooper played pretty well, but it was Danny Amendola a couple of weeks ago. He had a much better game from a receptions and yardage standpoint versus Marvin Jones, who only had a touchdown in that game. He did not have much yardage or reception. So when you're looking at that, who, who does that mean? Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. Those are the guys that will play more inside versus out wide versus Minnesota. So I do lean in the direction of, I think both of those guys are going to have much more solid days, but I think DJ Moore is more of a flex play this week versus these is typical, you know, mid range wide receiver two this year. But I do like all three guys because I think Samuel can play very well and they're dominating targets and they're dominating routes. Those three guys are just funneled in on this offense, which is fantastic news for their fantasy value. But I think with Curtis Samuel, especially when the matchup makes sense, He's a play last week. He played very well, eight catches for 70 yards and a score against Detroit. I think he go right back to the well with all three of those guys. So I do agree. You could play those guys, even Teddy B. I think Teddy B on the road, they actually are slightly, they are underdogs in this game, three and a half. So I think Teddy B is going to have to throw a little bit. He'll find his success versus Minnesota. So that makes him like a borderline QB one in this matchup. So I'm okay. If you're really desperate at quarterback, you could play Teddy B in this matchup now for, the Vikings side, it does matter about Thielen, but let's say Thielen does play. When you see who beats the Panthers, I think ground games, obviously Dalvin Cook's going to eat. The Vikings are going to hope to dominate on the ground, and that's where they're going to have to go with this game. I think Dalvin Cook obviously slam dunk. But when you're looking at the wide receivers, listen, outside wide receiver guys, so what they did recently last week is they were using Ch- uh, Chad BB or not Chad BB something BB. Uh, was their slot receiver. and They were using Thielen and Jefferson on the outside. Well, last week they flipped the script. They actually used Ola Bisbee-Johnson back in the game, which means Thielen and Jefferson got more slot work. So that was good news. Thielen's kicking more inside. I think that's going to be good for him to avoid top corners moving forward. But when you're looking at who beats the Panthers, it's been pretty much anybody. So, like, when you're looking at last – a couple weeks ago against the Bucks, it was Brown, Evans, and Godwin all had productive days. Uh, A couple weeks before that, the Kansas City Chiefs, which I I hate using the Kansas City Chiefs, but uh, Tyreek Hill had a monster game and Robinson had a very nice uh, production versus this secondary. So I am okay with starting Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in this matchup. But the thing is the pass falling, I think both quarterbacks could be in play. We could see a mini shootout in Minnesota indoors in this one.
1: I agree. And again, if Minnesota can keep it up and Adam Thielen does play, uh, I think that they'll be just fine. The Panthers have clearly been able to move the ball up and down the field, um, and uh, whether they use Dalvin Cook or, or throw through or run through the air, as they say, um, this should be a shootout. I agree. Let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals and New England Patriots. Arizona comes in six and four, tough loss against Seattle last week, and New England comes in here at four and six. Again, kind of hit or miss with their play lately, but they've been playing much more tightly contested. Games for the Cardinals, you start your studs. Question is going to be the backfield, of course, Kenyon Drake um, and uh, Chase Edmonds. And then Christian Kirk, how do you feel about him? Larry Fitz actually led the team in receptions last week. Is he maybe a deep flyer? Do you, You're comfortable with him? Kyler Murray had a shoulder issue last week. Looks like he's going to be just fine. Ride him out. Obviously, he can you know run it if he needs to. So you're firing up Kyler Murray. On the other side, Cam Newton. Seems to be uh, playable, especially at home. He's got the rushing upside clearly as well. Backfield question mark here. Two, Sonny Michel was activated off the IR last week, but he was a healthy scratch. They lose Rex Burkhead for at least week 12, probably the rest of the season, I think, or at least the fantasy season. My boy James White gets his opportunity to get back in. He gets nine targets, six receptions, both season highs in limited work. So he is, I think, uh, a full play and uh, he's been dropped in most leagues he's a full play at this point point. and then um which receiver is it going to be man it was Nikhil Harry and then it was well, it was Julian Edelman and then it was Nikhil Harry and now, then it was Jacoby Myers and now it's Damir Bird can we trust any of these guys moving forward here for the Patriots
0: so when you're looking at this matchup it's on the road for the Cardinals it's going to be in New England they are two and a half point underdogs in New England which is interesting because the Cardinals are just such a better team this season technically by record so technically because they give three points to the home team, it's a slight favor for the Cardinals. So what they're saying by Vegas lines is that it's going to be a close one. And because it's going to be in New England, when you're looking at dropbacks per game, Arizona's third in the NFL and dropbacks per game on defense, the New England Patriots are 32nd. So you're going to see that when I look at that, I automatically think, all right, so Kyler Murray's not going to have that typical pass game volume. He's not going to be, ex- he's not going to probably throw, as much as he normally does and I think the good news for Kyler Murray of course is that he the Patriots run so much man coverage they run more man coverage than pretty much any team in the NFL so that's good news for mobile quarterbacks because when you're playing man they're running with the receivers and their backs are towards the quarterbacks you see a lot of mobile quarterbacks do very well so I still love Kyler I think he's gonna be great but the real question is You know, now you're going to have Stephon Gilmore versus DeAndre Hopkins, J.C. Jackson versus Christian Kirk on the outside. And we haven't really seen a lot of Gilmore this year. He's been banged up with that knee injury. Last week he came back. He actually shadowed Brandon Cooks, which I thought was kind of surprising instead of Will Fuller. J.C. Jackson actually was tasked for Fuller. And Cooks still had a very productive game. It seemed like an odd fit. Cooks is more of a smaller speed receiver. Gilmore is a little bit more of a bigger cornerback, you would think you'd be a better fit to pick a a guy like Will Fuller. But So I took a look at Gilmore versus Hopkins over the last few seasons, and Hopkins has been okay. One game, 5-for-64, 8-for-78, 7-for-76. None of that jumps out to me and says, wow, like that's a huge game for Hopkins, but he's going to get his. But the thing is, that game is not – that's going to lead to a lot more production for other receivers. But the problem is J.C. Jackson, when he faces – when Gilmore's in the lineup, has been better than Gilmore. I mean, his, his yards per covered snap is under one, which is just completely insane. And you're going to expect him to face a guy like Christian Kirk. That's not good news. So like you just brought up, Larry Fitz. Now, when I'm looking at the guys who have actually beat the, uh, the New England Patriots, it's been like guys like Tyler Lockett, for example, who actually kick inside small, like quicker slot guys. And That doesn't sound like Larry Fitz. It actually sounds like Andy Isabella. I know I'm probably losing my mind when I say this, and this is probably just like a DFS, DK only, uh, sleeper, dart throw, Andy Isabella, because it just seems to fit the prototype of guys who beat them. But I also do like Larry Fitz, because you're going to have two premier corners on the guys on the outside. I think that means that Larry Fitz is going to have a nice PPR day. But where you can really beat the Patriots lately has been on the ground. Uh, before the last couple of weeks, they faced kind of weaker opponents. They faced Jeff Wilson and the San Francisco 49ers, completely dominated them on the ground. Phillip Lindsay got over 100 yards. Zach Moss had a very big game against them. So when they face good running games, they have not been able to stop them. So I think Kenyon Drake is actually a solid start in this matchup. So I think I'm leading Drake. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, is a solid start. I think I'm actually fading a little bit on Christian Kirk because the Patriots defense has not allowed multiple wide receivers to truly dominate them. In a matchup on the other side, when you're looking at the Patriots offense, like you just said, who is it going to be? It's kind of like a carousel between Jacoby Myers, Bird, and Nikhil Harry. And then now with everybody healthy, it looks like Myers is the slot guy. Bird is the perimeter and Nikhil Harry plays kind of a hybrid. He plays a little bit inside and out. Now, when you look at who beats the Cardinals, listen, you're going to worry about Patrick Peterson. I don't know if Patrick Peterson is going to shadow Nikhil Harry. It makes some sense for him to do that. Um, they've used uh, Patrick Peterson to shadow uh, wide receivers all season. So I would say if he's going to pick anybody, it's going to be Nikhil Harry, which would be good news for a guy like bird, because, you know, bird has just come up a big performance. Jacoby Myers can have a nice game, not seeing a lot of a guy like Patrick Peterson. So I would probably lean away from a guy like Nikhil Harry in this matchup versus those two other guys. But where my focus is, is, is Damian Harris, slight favorites at home against a very winnable matchup against an Arizona team that just let Carlos Hyde dominate them on the ground back actually twice this season, Carlos Hyde played very well against them. Mike Davis, Ezekiel Elliott all had very nice games on the ground versus the Cardinals. So I actually love Damian Harris. Now, Sony, Michelle, the injury to Rex Burkett clouds things for me because it was so much easier to evaluate Damian Harris's role. Cause it's Harris was the primary run guy. Then it would be Burkett in a hybrid and James white kind of taking passing game work. If Sonny Michel replaces Burkhead, he's a primary run guy as well. So I'm a little concerned from his workload, but you got to ride the hot end. I'm all in on Damian Harris. And that passing volume, like I just said, Arizona third in the NFL in dropbacks per game. I think Cam Newton could be involved. I think Cam Newton is definitely on the QB1 radar. He's going to have to produce somewhat. He's going to have to keep up somewhat with Arizona's offense, even though Arizona is probably going to have less volume. They're, they're such a pass-happy team, and they're one of the – leaders in offensive plays I do think they meet somewhere in the middle which means it's good news for Cam Newton's pass game
1: volume as well good call and no tight ends to speak of in either one of these matchups no I don't think so all right let's get into the Miami Dolphins and the New York football Jets Miami comes in at six and four tough loss Uh, first loss of the Tua regime Uh, Tua was actually benched in this game for play Fitzmagic came in gave him an opportunity but threw a pick in the end zone to end the game and that was it Six and four for the Dolphins, the Jets, 0 and 10. Flacco put up 28 uh, against uh, Herbert and the Chargers, but they got that um, much-needed L for the Jets. For the Dolphins, are you – I mean, this is against the Jets, so can you fire fire everybody back up? And by everybody, I mean who is there to fire up for the Dolphins? Seems like we've talked about a lot of names on the Dolphins, but whose consistency – everyone seems to be hurt um, with the wide receivers, the running back core Tua, are you comfortable with him? Uh, Salvin Ahmed has done a very good job, but can you fire him up as Matt Breida reliable if he plays? And then, you know, Devonte Parker, um, you know, what are these other options here with with the, the dolphins? Cause other than Jason Sanders, I haven't been excited about them, but I want to <laughs> give a shot. I want to give a shout out to the dolphins DST in this one on the other side for the jets. Look, if it's Flacco, you fire up Perryman. If it's, uh Darnold then you fire up Crowder uh Frank Gore uh, gets a touchdown last week um can we rely on Michael P Ryan are we comfortable with anybody on the Jets so listen your shout out for the kicker listen I have a a soft spot
0: for kickers so I love that that call with Jason Saunders I actually have an analysis we never talked about this for kickers but I digress we'll talk about maybe some other time but so when I'm looking at this this was a, a rematch from week six where the Jets got completely dominated. The Miami Dolphins shut them out 24 to nothing. Fitzpatrick barely had to do anything in that game. Uh, Joe Flacco didn't seem to have it going, but Flacco has kind of turned it on lately. I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going on with Sam Darnold. Are they holding him out on purpose? I don't even see what the point of that is, but either way. So when I look at this, the Jets are seven point home underdogs, which is just mind blowing for a team. The Dolphins, listen, they are coming off a bad performance offensively last week, but, when I'm looking at the dropbacks per game on defense, the New York Jets are number two in the NFL with dropbacks per game on defense. They see a bunch of pass volume because they are a pass funnel defense. They are they're very, they're actually pretty good against the run, and they're actually terrible against the pass. Miami's actually twelfth in that metric over the last five weeks, so this could be a decent pass game volume game, especially how well Flacco has played. Uh, recently, but when I look at the Dolphins, listen, Gaskins returned to practice on Wednesday. He looks like he's back to return. He was on the short-term IR. He missed three weeks. He looks like he can be back. I'm immediately plugging Gaskins back in. I know uh, Ahmed has been doing very well, or Ahmed is doing pretty well the last couple of weeks. But Gaskins has been was a true workhorse before he went down. In the game they faced last time, he had 18 carries for 91 yards. He also had four receptions for 35 yards against the Jets. So if Gaskins is is actually practicing this week and he's back, I'm starting him right away. Now, when I'm looking at also who has beaten the Jets recently, it's been last week, Keenan Allen just completely dominated them. Mike Williams had a solid day. Jacoby Myers completely went off. So the primary read target right receiver has dominated the Jets secondary. So I think Devontae Parker needs to be in lineups. Like I think he has to be. As a flex or wide receiver, too, you got to get him in there because we just watched when it, a primary wide receiver has dominated the Jets over the last couple of weeks. So I'm very comfortable starting Parker and Gaskins in this matchup. When I look at the on the other side for the Jets, I, I listen, I don't know who's going to start. Is it going to be Darnold? Is it going to be Flacco? Look, Flacco's been pretty good. I mean, so when I'm looking at that, I think that gives me some encouragement. I think they can definitely improve on their 24-0 performance last time. But I'm looking at who beat the Dolphins recently. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Kalen Balazs both had double-digit performances against them. But, man, I don't want to start Frank Gore. I mean, like, uh, it's so uninspiring. Ty Johnson looks to be the passing game back that's going to replace uh, Michael P. Ryan because he's out now. So I do think I'm avoiding that. Listen, I can't get on board. I, I just can't. So even though there has been some production against the Dolphins from a ground game perspective, I mean, just for an overall back perspective, I'm just not interested in the Jets' RBs. But who's beat the actual Dolphins, which is kind of surprising. So like I've touched on a bunch of time, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are the premier outside corners for the Dolphins, but they actually have been beat recently by outside wide receivers. Tim Patrick, Christian Kirk, Cup and Woods all had very productive days against this secondary. Listen, Tim Patrick isn't the guy you think. You think it's Jerry Judy. Christian Kirk isn't the primary outside guy you think DeAndre Hopkins so when I'm looking at that you know who's a guy who I think is a sleeper this week Denzel Mims like Perriman is probably the lead guy technically but Mims Mims had a very productive game last week he was the most productive wide receiver I think Mims to me could be a sleeper in this matchup especially a seven point underdogs at home there's going to be so much pass volume for the Jets I think that Denzel Mims to me could be a deep sleeper of course Jamison Crowder Is always on the PPR radar, but the uh, Dolphins have been very tough against slot receivers technically most of the year. They've lit lit up a big game against Cup. And the last time these two teams faced, uh, Jameson Crowder had seven receptions. So from a PPR standpoint, I can continue to roll with Jameson Crowder. But I think Denzel Mims, to me, is kind of a sleeper in this one. But overall, Jets are being faded, and there's very limited upside for the uh, Dolphins as they should command a decent lead in this matchup.
1: Love it. We haven't talked much about the tight ends at all today. Just been the matchups that we've discussed. Um, not sexy at all, but tight ends <laughs> of wasteland. Chris Herndon jumped oh. back on the page, got a touchdown last week. Mike Kosicki, we don't need to get into it. Um, just, I guess it would be, are you moderately willing to start either one of those guys streaming on this particular week in a 12-team link?
0: Uh, no, I mean, listen, so the thing with Jazicki, at least he's on the field. He had five targets last week, four receptions for 43 yards. So the jets are not an imposing defense against tight ends. Uh, so I guess Jazicki could be on a, on the radar for 12 teams. Herndon just doesn't run enough routes. I'm de- You know, you know me with Herndon. I'm so disappointed with Chris Herndon. They don't even use him. They're more willing to throw out multiple wide receivers who don't deserve to be on a football field over him to run routes. So I'm not, I heard it. That was the tight end. The touchdown was kind of fluky. I'm not interested in him at all.
1: It's almost like there should be a coaching change in, in uh, New York. It's interesting. All right, right? Let's let's get into uh, one of our three final games here on the slate. We got the new Orleans saints at the Denver Broncos. New Orleans comes out eight and two Taysom Hill gets his first NFL start technically at the quarterback position gets the W for the saints. Um, Great game. Kind of an interesting fantasy day for Saints in general. Taysom Hill comes out, gets started in tight end leagues. We know about that. ESPN squashed it. So everybody that was legally cheating last week, you had your fun. That's over. He is now the quarterback. He goes two for 30, 233, no passing touchdowns, but he rushes for two. So you know you're going to get that out of, out of Taysom Hill. Michael Thomas has an excellent game. <laughs> and then you have uh, uh, Alvin Kamara, who doesn't catch a pass for the first time in his NFL career. And Latavius Murray gets a bunch of work. So other than Michael Thomas, who was the only one that looked right, how do you feel about this backfield with Taysom Hill basically being a third running back? And then on the other side for the Broncos, Drew Locke has been beat up most of the season, comes back. What are we going to do with this? This, uh, As you mentioned, Melvin Gordon played well last week, but Philip Lindsay's still around. How do we feel about this uh, kind of another revolving receiving core, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, uh, KJ Hamler. We have a number of options here and Noah Fant, who is one of these streaming uh, tight ends is somebody that I'm always excited to stream. I pop him into a lineup or two per week, excited about great matchups all the time, and he never does anything. So, is there any reason to be excited about Noah Fan other than he's a tight end with the pulse that you might have to play? And then your boy Jared Cook might be a better option there, but I'm not sure Taysom Hills is going to love him. So, a lot of question marks in this game for the Saints and the Broncos. So actually, here's a fun fact that I saw, and I saw it from a guy on
0: Smitty. He used to work, He's on uh, Instagram. It's actually interesting. I don't know if it's 100% true, but if you have Taysom Hill in your tight end spot, right, if you don't make it, since there's no teams on by this week, if you don't make any changes to your lineup, you can keep Taysom Hill in your tight end spot, even though he has a QB designation. This is an ESPN thing. I'll,
1: yeah. That is true. I'm going to talk about that really quick. So okay. first of all, sh- sh- shouts out to Smitty, the fantasy football show. Great dude. Hilarious. Uh, Great follow. Go check him out. Um, we've been talking for years about getting him on the pod. We just haven't done it yet, but great dude. Go check out my man Smitty. Uh, so what happens with that? It's similar to like an IR situation. So if you have, let's say uh, Raheem Mostert, I'll take him for example, activated off of IR should play this week. If you, if you do not make any roster moves, that means you don't change your roster. You don't pick up any, um positions uh you don't do any waiver claims you don't drop anybody any of that stuff you literally leave it from last week to this week Raheem Moser could stay in your IR spot I don't know why you'd want to do this This is a terrible example but my (laughs) my my analogy is keeping your roster the same so what it is is it holds that spot because if you move Raheem Moser in your starting lineup or on your bench you have to then drop somebody if they're not eligible for IR right so the idea is with Taysom Hill if you don't move him out then technically the computer in espn should allow you to then play it again right so it could work out because nobody's on buy but again you can't make any roster moves uh but here's the deal i think it's complete bullshit frankly but it is what it is um and it's something fun to do once but if you're unable to do that um it'll just tell you that when you make a change or whatever the the, uh the the settings will tell you. So great uh, great recon on, on Smitty. And I have <laughs> yeah. heard that in a couple of yeah. other leagues. So so good call there. All right, proceed. So listen, the thing with you when you're looking at this
0: matchup, right? So the Broncos are six-point underdogs at home, and the Saints defense has completely turned a corner. They are becoming legit, shut down. They are the one of the toughest run game matchups. I am not interested in the Broncos run game at all on this one. Todd Gurley was not existent last week in that matchup. The other thing, too, is even with Marshawn Lattimore missing the game last week, it was actually kind of interesting because Julio went down with an injury. Marshawn Lattimore didn't play. So it was kind of like this, you know, we'll even things out for everybody. So the fantasy gods said we'll make it even for everybody. But when I'm looking at this game, Taysom Hill completely sucks the air out of this team because he does not throw nearly as much as Drew Brees. He only attempted 23 passes last week in a game where they did lead against the Falcons, but he was not expected to throw much. One of the things I did find very interesting was Hill did not run a lot in the first half. He was actually trying to be like a mobile quarterback who threw on the run. He threw a lot of passes. He was not scrambling at all in the first half. And as a fantasy owner, that had me panicked because I have no interest in Taysom Hill as a pocket passer. I liked him because I thought he was going to be Tim Tebow on steroids. So that's why I was interested in playing him. But in the second half, that all changed. He ran, and he only ran twice in the first half. He ran eight times in the second. So when I look at the Saints passing offense, I love Taysom Hill. You're going to continue to roll with him, especially with them being six-point underdogs. Taysom Hill is kind of like a hybrid quarterback slash clock-killing running back. He ran eight times in the second half to help kill the clock. He also had a big run called back in that game. So there's more production for him on the ground. He also threw no touchdown passes in that game. So there is also room for him to improve in his overall fantasy stats. So I think he, Taysom Hill is pretty loud. He has a QB one in this matchup. However, his lack of, uh, it, it, his, the craziest part about Michael Thomas was his taste who would have thought Taysom Hill would infuse him back to Q, a wide receiver one fantasy value. He had nine receptions for 104 Yards on 11 targets. He had a 48% target share. Literally, Taysom Hill only threw to Michael Thomas. Kamara, non existent in the passing game. Cook and Adam Trauman actually split routes and targets last week at the tight end position. The number two was Emmanuel Sanders. He had an okay game, but he played the Atlanta Falcons. He only had five, he only had a handful of receptions for 60 yards. Very underwhelming fantasy day because there was nothing outside of Michael Thomas. So when I look at the Denver Broncos, their defense is starting to get healthy and they're getting better. So Chubb is looking good at defensive end. He's starting to play a little bit better. They also got their best cornerback back as well for the Denver Broncos on the outside. So when I look at this matchup, I'm not getting cute. I think it's Taysom Hill, Michael Thomas. And listen, Alvin Kamara, he literally was a zero in the passing game. However, the one thing I will say is this. The end result looks even between Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray but Murray got all the work in the fourth quarter. So when they were trying to kill the clock, they used Murray. Uh, Kamara completely out Murray in the first three quarters, but the problem is this is another game where the Saints could lead big and they could end the game pretty, they could run the game out with Latavius Murray and Taysom Hill. So Kamara is actually probably a RB2, maybe even a flex running back this week. Instead of a stud RB1, I would fade him in DFS. So on the Saints side, it's a, Taysom Hill, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, that's it. On the Broncos side, listen, you know, the Saints are playing at a high level and they didn't have Marshawn Lattimore. Now you're going to infuse Marshawn Lattimore back into this lineup. I am not interested in anybody. The only position that kind of beats the Saints is slot receivers. Because of Marshawn Lattimore, because of Janoris Jenkins on the outside, because they have been much better against tight ends as of the last five weeks, they've also been very tough against the run. My sleeper in this matchup is K.J. Hamler. So K.J. Hamler is the primary slot guy for the Broncos. He, him, Judy, and Patrick split routes pretty evenly. They run the most routes by far on this team, and they've run a more, lot more routes than Noah Fant over the last couple of weeks. So I think Hamler could be a PPR, you know, sleeper, maybe even a DFS play in this matchup. DK only, of course. Um, I'll explain why someday, why it's only DK, but In this matchup, I'm completely fading the Broncos. Saints, DST, try to get them in your DFS lineups this week.
1: I like that. And uh, Tim Patrick has been playing very well. I agree there's tough matchups, but he has been uh, soaking up targets as well for uh, Denver. Uh, The Saints are the second toughest matchup for opposing fantasy running backs, only behind the vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers. So I am with you there. I'm going to try to move off of the uh, Broncos running backs. Usually it's hard to do that, right? But again, no teams on by, so hopefully – you have all the bullets in the chamber. All right, man. Two games left. Let's bust them out. 49ers at Rams, another divisional matchup here in the NFC West. 49ers obviously not having the uh, the the post Super Bowl season, but they have been absolutely destroyed um, on both sides of the football quarterback, running back, all their uh, all their wide receivers, their defensive line, the secondary. Everything going wrong for the 49ers. Unfortunately, they're at four and six. On the other side, the Rams, after getting their ass kicked last year, have bounced back. They are seven and three, looking very good. Dominated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the other night. Tom Brady was looked straight up, looked scared the entire game. Very good game there for the Rams. So for the 49ers, look, it it will be Nick Mullins, most likely, but Shanahan has come out and whispered that Jimmy G might be ready to go. As a 49er fan, I almost kind of, hope that it's Nick Mullins, but we've been over that a million times on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Raheem Mostert, as I mentioned, is activated, should be yes. playing this week. Jeff Wilson Jr. also activated. We'll see if he's active. Then of course we have McKinnon too. It's just a mess there. Raheem, if he's ready to go, I'm starting him wide receivers-wise, it's a mess all over the place. I'm not necessarily excited about any wide receivers except for Brandon Ayuk personally. On the other and then I guess you know, do you trust Jordan Reed? I'll throw that out there. And then on the other side for the Rams Look, man, if they're going to not run the ball, (laughs) sit the running backs. If they're going to throw the ball like they have been in the last five weeks, you fire up every single wide receiver. Josh Reynolds is hit or miss. But Cooper Cup and Robert Woods um, combined for 275 uh, receiving yards last week. They have actually been on fire. Tyler Higby played 72% of the snaps, um, which is good to see him. He came on late last year as well. So maybe they're having a change of pace. They've clearly gone away from the run. Going into the pass, Jared Goff is averaging 50 pass attempts the last four weeks after just 32 the first four weeks. So I like to see that as far as fantasy goes. So Cup and Woods are automatic. How do you feel about the backfield for um, the Rams and how do you feel about the receiving core for the 49ers?
0: So, listen, the Calvary is coming for the 49ers. I mean, Raheem Mostert is coming back. Obviously, Debo Samuel, Brendan Ayuk, like, there is just, they're starting to get all hands on deck. Even Richard Sherman, I think Richard Sherman's probably the most underrated guy coming back. He is, he completely takes away one side of the field for that defense. And he has not been a part of that defense pretty much all year. So, I think Sherman is practicing him looking back, completely changes this whole dynamic. But when I'm looking at this, it's interesting because from a dropbacks perspective on defense, San Francisco is 31st in the NFL in dropbacks per game. That means they, they barely see any dropbacks. So the Rams, for example, are going to see a huge drop off from what they've seen over the last couple of weeks against Seattle and Tampa Bay. And when you look at the other side of the ball, the Rams are actually eighth in dropbacks on defense per game. So you, you would like that from a pass volume perspective for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, when I look at who beats the Rams ground games, listen, you know, Miles Gaskins and, and Alex Collins at double digit fantasy points. Listen, I'm on board Raheem Moster, He, he comes back. I'm all in on Raheem Mostert. I think they can dominate on the ground against the Rams with him. Absolutely. Now, when I'm looking at who beats the actual team, the Rams in the secondary, I mean, in the secondary, you have Jalen Ramsey and Williams, who are is one of this, these fantastic stories Williams on the other side, these outside corners for the Rams are playing at an extremely high level. And that's concerning for the San Francisco 49ers wide receivers. But Kyle Shanahan is a different dude when it comes to scheming these guys open. They're doing end around runs. They're doing slot usage, high usage. And we've only seen a handful of games. I think it was week five to week seven where we saw Debo Samuel, Brandon IU Kendrick Bourne all on the field together. And listen, I would say this. Samuel actually played that hybrid role over everybody. Samuel actually was playing a lot in the slot. He was getting a lot of usage inside. That's the player I want against the Rams. The Rams are much more susceptible to inside receivers. So I think if Debo's back, I think I actually lean Debo over a guy like Brandon Ayuk in this matchup from a receiver court. Now, listen, Nick Mullins, more than anybody, loves his tight end and over the last couple of weeks, the Rams have been kind of hit or miss against tight ends. But listen, they are so good against receivers that everything gets forced into the middle of the field. And when Jordan Reed is on the field, he gets targets. So I think I'm starting Jordan Reed. I think he's a low end tight end one in this matchup. Especially that they're going to have to creative and dominate the middle of the field because Jalen Ramsey and Williams on the outside are going to are pretty much going to stop whatever is going to happen out wide. So I think from the San Francisco side, aside, I'm okay with Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel. I think Ayuk is a, a fringe wide receiver three. And I think Jordan Reed can build off that strong performance from a couple weeks ago. Now the Rams side is interesting because I think the, the ground game can have success against the 49ers. We saw Alvin Kamara, DJ Dallas, Aaron Jones, all hit double digit fantasy points against this 49ers defense. So, but the problem is you're starting to see Cam Akers starting to demand more of a, uh, a ground game role, and now it's a three-headed monster again. But I think D'Angelo Henderson is still the number one on this team. I think I could definitely see him being a solid flex play in this matchup. So I'm okay with starting him because they are six-and-a-half point favorites at home. So that tends to lean towards the ground game for the home team. So I'm okay with starting Henderson in this matchup. Now, when you look at the San Francisco 49ers, listen, Richard Sherman throws a complete you know, wrench in this whole thing for me, and I'll admit that. But when you look at who's beat the 49ers defense, it's been out wide receivers. So DK Metcalf and David Moore had much bigger games than Tyler Lockett. Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling had big games. Robert Woods and, and Josh Reynolds actually had a very nice performance versus this 49ers secondary versus Cooper Cup. So I actually am not too excited for the Rams passing attack. I think Richard Sherman really makes this a huge difference for me. I I think, listen, I'm going to stick with Robert Woods. I'll probably say Robert Woods would be the one. Josh Reynolds, listen, he had a very slow week last week against Tampa Bay uh, after having a big performance against Seattle. But I'm not, listen, I'm not interested in Reynolds in a matchup where they're facing the the second toughest defense from a pass-volume perspective in San Francisco. So I think I'm actually going to try my best to fade the wide receivers for the Rams, especially because of the tough matchup. And, they re- and with Richard Sherman coming back into the lineup.
1: As a 49er fan, it pains me to say that the Rams DST is an absolute start this week. Overall, in the overall points scored per position metric that I have that I use per week, they are second behind only the Indianapolis Colts, surprisingly, versus all uh, all teams. So basically they give up, according to my metrics, they give up 18, basically 19 fantasy points, total uh, average per game per position. Um, now they are second toughest versus quarterbacks. They're six toughest versus uh, running backs and they are the toughest matchup for opposing wide receivers. You mentioned Debo Samuel coming back. The last game Debo played his ADP average depth of target was negative <laughs> 2.2 <you> <laughs> 2.2 what that means is they're as Bobby said, they're giving him end rounds and things but they're throwing him quick screens uh, you know quick hitters behind the line of the scrimmage so they're not a downfield passing. so there could be some knickknacks in this one they looked really good against the Saints for about a quarter and a half and then eventually they were just too beat up the Saints took over the Saints end up blowing them out. unfortunately again uh, versus the bitter rival Rams, Uh, As a 49er fan, I do think that's going to happen again. I'm excited to see if Sherman actually makes a difference after being out. I want to see you know, Raheem Moser do well. If Jimmy plays, I want to see him do well. I want to see Debo do well. Of course, I'm rooting for the 49ers. But, man, fantasy-wise, I'm kind of scared to play any of them, frankly, against Mm -hmm. this defense that we just saw absolutely annihilate a much, much better Tampa Bay Buccaneers team than the 49ers. So worried about it for the 49ers. Fire up your Rams, including the DST. All right, let's get into our final game, my man. It is the Chiefs and those Buccaneers who were embarrassed on Monday Night Football by these Rams. This one is in Tampa Bay. The Chiefs come in at 9-1. and one. They had a mild scare once again by the Raiders, but Travis Kelsey was open by 50 yards in the end zone at the end of the game. So the Chiefs, of course, with about a minute and a half left, march down the field, do what they do, beat the Raiders last minute. They stay uh, up at 9-1, and one, their only loss to those Raiders early in the season. You start your studs, uh, no question marks here for me at all. It's going to be Mahomes, Kelsey, um, and Tyreek Hill. I guess the question mark would be, are you comfortable with CEH versus a very, very difficult rush defense with the Buccaneers and his Le'Veon Bell? I mean, you can't really drop him because he's a running back and has a great handcuff opportunity, but he can't be playable, question mark. On the Buccaneers side, is this like a, we saw Brady get dominated a couple of weeks ago too. He bounces back in a big way with four touchdowns versus the uh, Panthers. Is this another situation where, you know, Brady and the Buccaneers sober up, they figure it out. Now I don't see them beating the Chiefs, but for fantasy purposes, do you think this is a get right game for Brady and the Buccaneers? Or do you think that Chiefs defense is going to be fired up just as much and uh, take it to them? So when I look at Brady and the
0: Bucs offense, I, I care about the the pressure rate for the defense. So when they face top 10 pressure rate defenses. So when I look at football outsiders, I look at their adjusted sack percentage. So it's basically how many times a team gets a sack per drop back. When they face dominant teams like the Rams and New Orleans Saints, who are very good in that metric, they struggle. But when they face teams that are average to below average, they they eat them up and Good news for them this week, Kansas City is only 19th in adjusted sack rate. So I do believe there's a boatload of, uh, of pass volume and production to come for the Bucks. Now, from a dropback perspective on defense, they're both in the top 10. Kansas City sees a lot of dropbacks. So does Tampa Bay. Bucs are at home, three and a half point favorite. Uh, they're getting three and a half points at home. So that automatically tells me that they're expected to, to be, be trailing in this game, of course, against Kansas City. I love everybody. I want to fire up every offensive pass game weapon in this matchup. I am not scared to start everybody in this game. Now, when you look at it, though, the only, I personally feel like if Tampa Bay wants to win this game, they need to beat the Kansas City Chiefs on the ground. And the Chiefs have been susceptible to ground games. Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey, even Melvin Gordon had solid performances against the Chiefs. If they want to beat them, they cannot go toe-to-toe from a pass game perspective. They're going to have to dominate on the ground as well. So I think Ronald Jones, to me, is a great play in this matchup, especially at home. They're going to have to use him early and often to keep this game kind of low-key. They don't want to get into a true shootout with Patrick Mahomes. But in years past, we've seen Tom Brady step up against competition. Tom Brady, to me, is the type of guy who plays up to his competition. So he knows he's got Patrick Mahomes. He's the new guy, he's the MVP. They won the, they just won the Super Bowl. I think Tom Brady's coming out to play. I'm starting all the receivers. I honestly listen, I can try to tell you right now which one to play. Inside receivers technically are better against Kansas City. I think Chris Godwin to me is kind of a guy who actually could finally be a, a top 10 receiver. You know, last couple of weeks he's been very productive, but he hasn't had that breakout week where he's been dominant. I think this is the week that Chris Godwin comes out and plays off. Has a big game. I'm getting him in my DFS lineups. I'm all for it. I'm playing Antonio Brown. I'm playing Mike Evans. I'm getting my bucks in there. Um, and on the other side, listen. The same thing with the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey. Listen. The Bucks have been very susceptible to everything through the air recently. Outside wide receivers. Listen. Charlton Davis is fantastic cornerback, but we have seen teams do pretty well against them. We just saw what Robert Woods and Cooper Cup did to this defense. I, don't, I think Kansas City is going to have no problem doing the same thing. Tyreek Hill is this unique chess piece who plays a lot in the slot. He gets a lot of deep targets. He plays all over the formation. He gets, you know, carries. I, I love it. So I'm all in on the passing game. The one area that is a concern is the Chiefs running game against this dominant Tampa Bay run defense. Now, that doesn't sound good for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell splitting work, getting about, you know, 60-40 split. You know, maybe Clyde, I would that the thing with Clyde, he's probably going to get an opportunity to score in this game. So that's the thing with Clyde. You're probably still able to start him. But I think if anybody I'm worried about, it's going to be the run game for the Chiefs. Other than that, I'm, ha- I'm all hands on deck. Let's roll with every- everybody. Brady, Patrick Mahomes, get them all in the, in the lineup.
1: I love it. As far as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go, I want to mention the run game here. So um, Tampa Bay is 27th in rush attempts per game. We know that they don't run the ball very much. Only the Detroit Lions, New York Jets, Houston Texans, Chicago Bears, and the Jacksonville Jaguars run less per game than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 24 attempts per game. Now, of course, that's compared to Baltimore up at the top at 32. So almost, you know, almost 10 attempts less. Now, what's interesting about this is they actually run five more rush attempts per game more on the road so they do about 21 or so at home and 26 on the road conversely the Kansas City Chiefs are 18th in rush attempts per game pretty much right in the middle there about 26 attempts per game but they run 22 attempts at home they're on the road though in Tampa Bay in this game where they boost up to 30 attempts on the road so when you take that metric into consideration it looks like honestly both of these teams are going to run more than uh, i should say uh, kansas city statistically runs more at, um, on the road which they are and tampa bay actually runs less at home which they are so i don't expect kansas city to come out and run the ball all night or anything like that but i do think that it's going to be an interesting game script we know that the chiefs can go up and down the field on anybody i think it's going to be somewhat of a shootout antonio brown actually led the buccaneers in um uh, targets last week so hopefully brady can bounce back and uh you know again man we're (laughs) this should be fireworks we just don't know which version of tom brady we're actually going to get so fire up all your studs um if you had to pick one running back from the tampa bay buccaneers who is it going to be in this matchup ronald jones Okay, you trust him, so he comes out, he fumbles, gets another opportunity, (laughs) 98-yard touchdown a couple weeks ago, comes out, drops a pass right away. It was pretty much Leonard Fournette the rest of the night. Last week, Leonard Fournette drops three passes, easy swing passes, doesn't pick up first downs, pretty much a slug, and ends up running in an accidental two-yard touchdown. They keep him on the field the entire game. I don't know what uh, Bruce Arian's issue is with Ronald Jones, but it's obvious and it's clear that They don't want him to be the lead guy, but he is clearly more talented than Leonard Fournette at this point. So that's kind of where they stand.
0: I'll tell you this. What I use for running back analysis is a combination of football outsiders, success rate modeling for offense and defense. And when I look at it, they are the number four run game matchup in that metric. So when I look at the success rate for DVOA for, for the Tempe run offense versus the Kansas city run defense, That's why I favor Ronald Jones. They are number four in that metric, playing at home, even though they're slight underdogs. I think they can definitely have success on the ground. Another thing is their their stud guard, Ali Marpet, should be back in this game. Hopefully he does get back in. So I think that the only way the Bucs can win this football game is if they keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, and that's how they got to do it. And they only can do that with Ronald Jones. And I think he's going to have – to get 15 to 20 carries, I think he's going to be very productive, and I think he's a good
1: chance to score in this matchup. I hope you're right, my man. Both of these, both of these defenses are um, bottom 10 matchups. So top 10 match, uh, top 10 toughest matchups versus quarterbacks and wide receivers. So that leads me to believe that the running backs will have an opportunity at least to. Uh, get some more work but this one should be uh, fireworks all yeah. right Bobby let's round it out here with the last couple of minutes of course we got to get your pick in last week we um, closed oh. the gap a little bit you and I struggled we both went six and seven Dweez had his best week at nine and four Lucas at eight and five Lucas still on top at 90 and 52 You are in second now at 85 and 57. Dweez moves into third place at 84 and 58, and I fall into fourth at 83 and 59. But as I mentioned to Lucas earlier uh, this week when we recorded yesterday, um, all of us are, you know, 30-plus games over 500 uh, in our pick which if you look at the big dogs like Pro Football Focus, ESPN Panel, all this shit, you look at their records – They're not as high. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, Nice. Look at us. (laughs) All right. Let's let's move on here, man. You know the drill. Two teams, you give me the winner. We'll start back up at the top here. Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts. Uh,
0: Okay, we're doing – oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to the Thursday games.
1: Uh, I'm going to go Tennessee. All right. Let's go with the Cleveland Browns and Jacksonville Jaguars. Cleveland. Carolina Panthers, Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota. Arizona Cardinals, New England Patriots. New England upset. Miami Dolphins, New York Jets. Miami Dolphins. New Orleans, Denver. Are the Jets really going to go 0 16? No, but they're not going to win this week. Okay. (laughs) All right. New Orleans. Uh, San Francisco, LA Rams. San Francisco. Yes, my man. Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kansas City. All right. I am going to go with Tennessee, Cleveland, Minnesota. I'm going to take Arizona instead of New England. I'm going to take Miami, Denver over New Orleans. I'm going to take the Rams over my Niners, and, of course, Kansas City as well. Bobby, before we get out of here, my man, please let me know, and the listeners know, what is your top one and two, if you'd like, thanksgiving side dishes oh man i i i love uh mashed potatoes
0: corn gravy that is my combination like a, like a,
1: like a combo kind combo of throw that on there and you throw it on some ham and turkey and i'm good to go my man and are those uh regular regular spuds or are you going like sweet potato yam no style?
0: straight reg you know, it's straight. Thanksgiving. We go old school for
1: Thanksgiving, straight regular <laughs> mashed potatoes. <laughs> Respect, King. I appreciate you. Hey Bobby, always a pleasure, man. Please remind the TCK Potters where they can find all your content.
0: Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor, Twitter at FFX Factor. I also write a shadow coverage report going over the top wide receiver cornerback matchups on football.rasball.com. And then every Saturday is my opportunity analysis, which I discuss all the th- guys with the best opportunities of the week for
1: expandtheboxscore.com. Always a pleasure, Bobby. Appreciate you coming on, my man. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thank you. You too, Scott. All right, y'all. Make sure to go follow Pod on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore Pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. All of our rankings and our true strength of schedule spreadsheet at tckpod.com. Leave a five-star rating, and a review. Much, much appreciated. Hope you are safe. Hope you're leading with compassion this week for Thanksgiving. Hope everybody is uh, eating plenty and giving to those uh, less fortunate if you are able uh, to produce a little extra this holiday season. Hope you are well. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Best of luck in week 12. Enjoy the Thanksgiving uh, festivities in an unusual season and, of course, the games. For Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X-Factor, I am your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a
1: five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.